This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, guess who is in the studio? I'm not going to let you guess. It's me, Stanley, mother-loving, good hair, nice shirt, Fritz, with the baggy sweatpants you can't street harass me for. We also have Selena, Cat Daddy, Bass God Hill, and Jackie, the loser, strong shoulders, <gasps> Cohen. <laughs> From the Cohen I'm channeling group. my Michelle Obama. It looks like you were having a seizure, so it is um, not rude. Just You're rude so and rude wrong, and I don't like your shirt. Yeah, no well, one likes your shirt. Everyone loves my shirt because it's the Joker. And guys, if you are just tuning in and you have no idea what we are talking about today, we have a big show, an action-packed show. We are talking about the Super Tuesday results, and then in the next segment, we'll be having a conversation about the expectations for the presidential election winners and what the world would look like if Donald Trump won the presidential election. Well, I'll tell you this. On the boat ride back to Africa, don't say a word to me because I don't want to hear it. I told you to vote. Oh, OMG. And if you guys think I'm joking, I want you guys to understand something. And this is a very true thing. I'm going to read you some results from Super Tuesday, all right? Alaska, Trump won. Alabama, Trump won. Arkansas, Trump won. Georgia, Trump won. Massachusetts, Trump won. Minnesota, Rubio. Oklahoma, Cruz. Tennessee, Trump. Virginia, Trump. Vermont, Trump. That was the Super Tuesday election results for the Republican Party in which Donald Trump pretty much trounced the, the, all of his opponents, every single one of them. And we were left thinking to ourselves, holy crap, Donald Trump might actually be the presidential nomination for the Republican Party. Oh, and by the way, um, Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders also had primary elections on Super Tuesday. But who cares about that? Because people <laughs> are barely voting anyway. But if you're wondering... Hillary, 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 Bernie, Hillary, Bernie, Hillary, 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 maybe Bernie. That was pretty much it. Um, but we're not here to talk about the Democrats because we know what's going to happen with the Democrats. Bernie is going to win somehow, right? Bernie supporters? Probably not. <laughs> Instead, we are sitting in a situation where for the first time in quite a while, the establishment on both sides is struggling to shore up the election victory. In 2012... We had Mitt Romney, the person that everyone thought was going to win the Republican nomination for president from day one to day end, actually won it. But before he did that, he had to move far to the right to appease the, to the conservative Republicans and the evangelists who felt that he was way too moderate. And because of that, we saw people like Rick Santorum winning primaries. Rick Santorum's who said, I don't want to give black people food stamps. I want to get them jobs. And then when he was asked about it, he said, I didn't say black people. I said, bala. Yes, that Rick Santorum. Rick Santorum, who almost called Barack Obama the N-word during a foreign policy speech, and it's actually in our intro, so that's how you know I'm telling the truth. He said, Barack Obama, the governmental nigga, and we got to fix the economy, and we got to take care of kids. Yes, that Rick Santorum. Michelle Bachman won a straw poll, the one that said, the minute after you take an HPV shot, it makes you mentally retarded. That Michelle Bachman. The Michelle Bachman with a gay husband. She is the one that actually beat Mitt Romney. And because of those people, Mitt Romney kept having to slide to the right. Slide to the right. This is actually my left if you're looking on the camera. So I'm going to slide to the right. When it came time for Mitt Romney to go to the general elections, he said, oh, our campaign can be like an Etsy sketch. We're just going to wipe it all off and we're going to act like we're in the center. You know what? He couldn't do it. The Obama campaign destroyed him. And when I say destroyed him, I mean they won in almost every state in almost every way. And for the first time in ever, people of color came out at a higher rate than white people to vote in the elections. And now in 2016, white folks are resurging. They are coming out to support the Republicans. 
Republicans in these primaries. Last night in Maine, 8,000 people showed up to vote for the Republican primary. You know how many people showed up in a Democratic primary? 5,000. And wow. that's not just a one-time thing. That's been happening in every single state. Every state. In Nevada, Donald Trump won the Spanish vote with 42%. Now, granted, Spanish voters for the Republican side were only about 9% of the actual voters, while white folks were still a strong 80%. But that's a huge thing, especially since Donald Trump got 12,000 votes, which is more than what Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton got combined in that state. White people are coming out to vote. And I love white people, except for the creepy racist ones. They can stay all the way in Alabama. (laughs) But they are coming out to vote. They are resurging, and they are pushing Donald Trump. And now we are having a conversation today about what this Super Tuesday election means to us. So I'm going to stop talking you guys ears off and we're going to start this conversation. And the first thing I want to ask you guys is what did you think as the, the as the votes were coming in during Super Tuesday and Trump kept winning? Selena? Well, I mean, the thing is, when Trump first launched his presidential bid back last June, June 2015, no one took him too seriously. In that presidential speech, that's when he called Mexican immigrants drug um, drug dealers and rapists. So we were like, this is a joke. I remember the Huffington Post even made a declaration that they weren't going to cover Trump's presidential bid on their politics page. They were going to put him in the entertainment section. Right. Fast forward um, to, to today, Donald Trump has dominated the um, the 2016 GOP primary race. A lot of people were like, you know what? Even though he he's he's um, getting a lot of momentum with his rhetoric, he's not gonna get. He's not gonna win a primary. He's not gonna win the caucuses. They're not gonna come out to vote. He has proven everyone wrong. People are coming out to vote for him. He has a strong grasp on the delegates. We just had Super Saturday not too long ago, well, yesterday. (laughs) And um, he has about 80 more delegates than Ted Cruz, who is in second place right now. I mean, everyone. He was in Kentucky and um, Louisiana yesterday. Yes, he did. And um, Ted Cruz won um, Maine and Kansas. But basically, so my surprise, uh, it's surprising to me. It's surprising that Donald Trump not only um, is has all of this publicity and is getting all of this media attention, but he is really galvanizing um, people to come to the polls and vote for him. And more than likely, he has a straight pathway to the GOP nomination. See, I disagree a little bit. I don't think it's a straight pathway to the nomination. I think that it seems that way because it was so, he went from like a non- threat completely to someone who legitimately could take the position, right? But I don't think that it's such a shoe-in. I think that if he was any other more establishment, more predictable candidate, and he had this lead, it would still be, we would still be considering it a really tight race, right? And um, I I would disagree. I would think that if Mitt Romney had his lead in 2012, they'd be saying it's over. Maybe, but I don't think that it's, it's over yet. Right. I, it's, I, it's definitely not over yet. And um, it's a, a, a commentary I heard from uh, Mike Pesca on The Gist, which is a podcast that I really like, mm-hmm. um, called out reporters and journalists for saying that um, Donald Trump is winning states. Right. He's not winning states. He's winning delegates in states. Um, and he made the comparison, which I loved, like saying, like in, in the World Series, if reporters were to say, oh, Mets are winning innings, like they're just winning all these innings or what. That's not what's happening. Right. Like they're getting runs they're winning games. But it's sort of a bad way to um, talk about what's happening in these states, right? It comes down to delegates and how many he's going to get, and we are far from over at this point. We have a lot of primaries to go. Alyssa, hit think, us. I think that's a good point that you make. I mean, I want to address two things, which is one, this whole inevitability. I mean, Donald Trump is saying things that the racist and silent majority 
or silent minority, really. They think they're a majority, but I don't think they are. Those are things that they've been saying for a long time. So the fact that he's rise to power doesn't surprise me at all. I think he's tapping into a lot of the anger that we see, that we come from, uh, you know, poorer, whiter places in America that have this, this notion, which is false, that, you know, people of color and the liberals are destroying the country and taking away the jobs. And he's tapping into that fear. But as to the second point, I think that Ted Cruz, after Super Saturday last night, Ted Cruz did very well, and now he's only trailing Donald Trump, uh, you know, by several, you know, by not even 100 delegates. Right. So I think, Jackie, you make a good point when you bring up it's not about, like, winning states, it's about winning delegates. Right. But the interesting part about this is the more delegates that Ted Cruz wins, the less likely it is that anybody's going to win enough delegates to capture the nomination on the first ballot at the convention. That's a really good point, Alyssa, and I'm glad you brought that up because what we are seeing right now is an election with four candidates in there. And because, like, some people might split the vote, well, Marco Rubio is going to win nothing as he's continued to do so. But as, like, people continue to split the delegates, you really may end up at the convention and have to broker a winner. And if that happens, I think the Republicans lose the general elections. Jackie? I think that they, wow, I just squeaked there. I think that they lose, I, I see them losing no matter what if, if Trump gets the nomination or if something sort of weird happens where there's a break in the party, I think that ultimately they win because um, while Trump supporters are mobilized, they're very strong, they're getting out to the polls in the primaries, ultimately in the general election, there's going to be a greater turnout. There's greater turnout in presidential elections than in any primary. And you have a lot of people on the right who will come out to vote against Trump, right, who want the establishment guy. So it's it, he's a polarizing figure within the party. I think that you're going to get a lot of people on the right that maybe would stay home if he gets the nomination to get out and vote against him because it's going to bring the right and the left together against him. I, I That's what I would predict. Selena? Oh, God, I just want to let everyone know if they're listening and they have a question or a comment, you can chime into the conversation now by calling us 212-650-6903. You can also tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. I mean, you know, I agree with what Jackie was saying. I, I think that we see a strong rift in the Republican Party right now where it is very establishment versus the outsiders. And as Alyssa mentioned, people are very angry, lower class, low or you know, working class white people are extremely angry right now. And what Donald Trump is doing, he's fear mongering around the issue of illegal immigration. And he's basically making it an issue so that people think that it's because of, of, of undocumented workers that somehow is affecting their livelihoods and their jobs. They just see that their bank accounts are lower. They don't have there's no stability when it comes to the job market. And they think that the establishment Republicans have failed them. And a lot of them are are um, galvanizing and um, leaning towards Trump. And then he says a lot of things that are extremely racist mm -hmm. and xenophobic. And they already held these prejudices in their minds um, within their household. So it's like Donald Trump is almost like their savior. Um, and, and the establishment right now is, I think, fearful, very fearful. And they're looking for almost anything to stop Donald Trump, even if it means a brokered convention, which I think would just ruin the Republican Party if it does come down to that. Alyssa, what are your thoughts on, on this possible brokered convention? So, I mean, I think that a brokered convention would end up backfiring in the Republican spaces because I, I'm, I'm strongly convinced that there is no counting out the fact that Donald Trump may run as a third-party candidate. He said that he wouldn't, but there's always a possibility. He's always maintained, well... If the GOP doesn't treat me right, then, you know, I might just run as a third-party candidate. 
Um, I know we're going to get into talking to, about this and some different scenarios during the second half of the segment, so I don't want to jump the gun a little. Um, but my thought is, is if there is a broker convention and a lot of the disgruntled people in this country have voted for Donald Trump, um, but then it turns out that the establishment or the GOP decides to go with somebody like Ted Cruz or Marco Rubio, that's going to create a lot of discontent where people are going to say, you know, either Trump's going to say, I'm going to run as a third-party candidate, which is going to create problems for the GOP, or people are just going to say, I'm not going to go out and vote for that person because that is not democracy. That's not who we selected. Um, and that's going to create a problem because the, at the end of the day, Trump is the one who's turning people out. It's not Ted Cruz. Right. That's, that's a really good point, Alyssa. Guys, if you are just tuning in, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard. This is Stanley Fritz here with Selena Hill, Jackie Cohen, and Alyssa, Alyssa Fuchs is on the phone. She is a trooper not feeling well, and she's still called in to participate. And if you want to give a question or a comment or you just want to say Donald Trump is crazy, give us a call at 212-650-6903 or tweet us at BeHeard underscore radio. We always want to hear your comments. Now, guys, we've been talking about Donald Trump and Ted Cruz, but what about Marco Rubio? At the beginning of this whole process, I thought Marco Rubio was going to be the one that rose up and was the establishment pick to be president. And he's getting his butt kicked. Even John Kasich was beating him in Maine yesterday. Right. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Marco Rubio has the establishment backing him and a lot of money. He was the chosen one to take down Trump. And he has momentum, but he doesn't have states and he doesn't have wins. I think that all things are going to boil down to March 15th for uh, Marco Rubio, which is the day where um, people will vote in the primaries in Florida and Ohio. Now, these are winner-take-all states. If Rubio does manage to secure his home state, he has a chance to come back. If not, then I guarantee, more than likely, I do not see him still having a feasible chance at the nomination. Right, but either way, I think that Marco Rubio wins in this election in the sense that he... He's young. He's earlier on in his career. This helps him get the establishment support um, for future runs, for future elected office, right? I think that ultimately, if I was him, I would understand that it's probably not feasible to get the election, but he should stay in. If I was him, he it would be a smart political move to stay in as long as possible to build up that establishment support. And he'll be a big vice presidential um, option because Florida is a huge yeah. state that like people always want. Alyssa, what are your thoughts? I mean, yes and no, because here's the thing. So Marco represents the establishment, basically, more so than Ted Cruz does. He's sort of an outsider. He hasn't really made any friends in his time in Washington. In fact, people don't like him. Um, and Trump obviously represents the outsider. So if you're looking at a scenario where the electorate doesn't want an insider, they want an outsider, Marco Rubio is not their guy. They are going to say he you know, why do I want to elect Marco Rubio when I have the option between two other people that are generally speaking outsiders, one being Ted Cruz, the other one being Donald Trump. So I think that's a lot of what's going on. It isn't just the who is running, but about what people are feeling. And you see that on the left as well. Uh, there's a lot of discontent with the Democratic Party on the left, and people are looking for the outsider. And that's why you have Bernie Sanders getting pretty strong support from a good portion of people on the left as well. So it's more of just uh, Rubio versus Cruz or Trump versus Rubio. It's more about the establishment versus the outsider. And you have to look at what the people are wanting these days. And lately it's been the outsider. Well, when have any party listened to what the people wanted? Because a lot of people want Bernie Sanders, but Hillary Clinton is probably going to win. And even superdelegates are going her way. And 
the people obviously wanted want Donald Trump, and they obviously wanted Rick Santorum or Newt Gingrich in 2012. But the people don't listen. People want gun legislation, but we don't get it. So, I mean, when if when is like when have our elected officials ever listened to us, Selena? Um. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I, 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 um, I, I agree with that that sentiment. But um, I just wanted to add on to what um, Alyssa was saying about you know the outsider versus the establishment. And again, we do see that with the fact that Donald Trump, the biggest outsider, is winning, and then Ted Cruz, who has also established himself as an outsider within within Washington, and he's coming in second place. And I think that Ted Cruz is the only person to take down Donald Trump. Now, like what Lindsey Graham said, a choice between Donald Trump. Trump and Ted Cruz is He's like shooting choice. yourself or taking poison. So, <laughs> <laughs> basically. Well, I mean, the Republican Party made these people. I have no sympathy for them. You made these racists because you are racist. Oh, I shouldn't say that, right? And they've I believe been it. racist. So, guys, listen, we do have to go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the Democratic primaries just a little bit because that does matter. <laughs> and maybe my, my ambiguous feelings about it is the reason that turnout has been so low in these primary elections. But until then, just work, 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 work. Baby, move over. Baby, move over. How have I never heard that song? Because you ain't a real G, Jackie Cole. Apparently, yeah. Let your booty do that yoga. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. You are either listening on 90.3 FM or WHCR.org. Or if you're smart, LYVBH.com. You're streaming through Ustream because you're a real G. And if you missed the first half of the show, we have been talking about the Super Tuesday results. We talked about the Republican Party and very deep detail and now we are switching to the democratic side but before i do you should know i'm here with selena hill Alyssa fuchs and jackie mother lover cohen and if you're on Ustream, you don't see Alyssa in the studio it's because she's on the phone and if you could see her through the phone then you're in the matrix neo (laughs) so guys when we ended the conversation before we started to talk about the democratic primaries and um i guess i'll just jump right into it hillary really did some damage to Bernie Sanders on Super Tuesday. She won all the states she was expected to win, and Bernie Sanders did get um Colorado. And um, what's the other state he got? Why is this slipping my mind so fast? Like four. Who Bernie Sanders? Yes, he won four Vermont. states during Super Tuesday. Yeah, of course he won Vermont as well. Well, he won Vermont, Colorado. I think he barely won Massachusetts. What did Hillary won? Hillary won Massachusetts. She barely won. She actually won by I think like one point four percent. Yes. She won. There we go. And then it was so, another one. <laughs> yeah, but other than that, she really did trounce him, and she took a big lead. And what she's saying now is it's, it's at the point where he needs to drop out of the race oh, because please. she's building a strong lead. Were you surprised by, by the Super Tuesday results? And Jackie, I saw you like twitching, so I'm going to let you go first. Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. I, I'm impressed with Sanders' campaign. Um, I think that the way a lot of people talk about it is a little bit patronizing to his voters where they say, oh, he's a great guy. Like, good for him. We love what he's all about, but he needs to step down. I think that no one saw him getting this far, right? Nobody thought uh, Hillary was the clear front runner. And the fact that he's done this well is incredible. And I think that it does a lot for the left as a whole, regardless of if he wins or not. And I think that it's becoming a little more unrealistic. She's doing very well. Um, But I think that overall, he, I, as, as a pretty liberal member of the left um, would like to st- see him stay in. I think it overall it does well for the left, for the Democratic Party. It pulls her to the left as well. Um, and I think you should keep it up. You know what I don't get? I don't got to get Selena, but I just want to point this out. Before Hillary announced her candidacy, 
Everyone wanted her to run. We all loved her. She was awesome, the most qualified. Then she gets in, and all of Hillary hates black people. Hillary <laughs> takes money from Wall from Wall Street. Hillary hates this black girl. But I think that I think part of that is that Bernie does what better with young voters, right? Yeah, but absolutely. but Hillary does better with like especially with black voters. Yeah. Bernie has young black voters black coming out for him, right? But Hillary has middle-aged, older black voters. So those who actually in, vote. Right, who are <laughs> voting, who are maybe donating more to her campaign. Yeah, Stanley, you're right. We were all ready for Hillary. I'm not going to say all of us, but a lot of us were ready for Hillary a year ago. But then Bernie Sanders came along and we were like, oh, Bernie, this is going to be cute. He's going to help um, Hillary Clinton lean more to the left. I mean, he, like, one year ago in Nevada, he was losing by 60 points. Mm-hmm. He lost Nevada by a few percentage points. Five. His momentum and traction in the polls and in this race is incredible and he is still in this race we just had super saturday and sanders won nebraska and kansas he is still a relevant force to be reckoned with he has raised a lot of money and he's going to be in this for months selena sounds like she works on his campaign staff Alyssa, what do you think I would definitely agree with Selena there because, you know, putting aside the superdelegates, right now Clinton has, after last night, 651 delegates, and Sanders has 456 delegates. So really, it's only 200 delegates that are separating them when you don't count in the superdelegates, which, by the way, are not committed until, I believe, June or July. Um, In addition, if you compare what's going on now with Sanders to the Clinton-Obama election back in 2007, at this point, and yes, there's been some changes in when different states vote, but sort of around this point, um, Obama and Clinton were sort of at the same place uh, the last time around, and Obama ended up coming back to speak. I mean, there are still something like 30-plus states that have not gone to the polls yet. The next state to vote uh, tomorrow, sorry, today is Maine, followed by Mississippi and Michigan, and then you have some big states like Florida that has a lot of delegates that that are, you know, you have a state like New York. Both Hillary Clinton, you know, is from New York, and so is Bernie Sanders. And that's a big state with a lot of delegates. And then, just to point out something about Massachusetts, you are incorrect. You know, uh, Clinton did win Massachusetts, but she, in the delegate count, she got 46 delegates and Sanders got 45. So wow. I don't think it's fair to count him out yet. Um, and especially because superdelegates can change their mind any time between now and July, and they could go to somebody else. That's a really good point, Alyssa. I do have a question I want to give specifically to you now. So one of the biggest hits against Bernie Sanders, even before we got to Super Tuesday, was that he could not win the black vote, and he has not been winning the black vote. So why why is he having so much trouble getting black voters? Because they don't know him. They know Hillary. I was watching something on MSNBC last night, and they were talking about that. And they were basically saying, if you're black and you live in the, uh, you know, up middle, you know, if you live up in the northern, like in New York or like, you know, Connecticut or somebody right there, and you're young, kind of our age, millennial, you'll know who Bernie Sanders is. But if you're older and you live in the South, down in the Bible Belt, um, you're going to hear Bernie Sanders and you're going to go, who? You hear Hillary Clinton, you know exactly who that is. And that's part of it. It's just a name recognition thing. Alyssa's absolutely right. Just to add on, so Sanders does tend to do better with states with large populations. He people. won Nebraska, yeah, of, of large populations of white people. Nebraska and Kansas, they have more than 85% of their population is white. Damn. So, so, like right. of friends. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and we saw Hillary Clinton, she just won South Carolina, which has a large African American population. So that's correct. And so that's, that's why I think that she has a much better, one of the many reasons that she has a much better chance is that it's important to look at the states that are more diverse, more reflective of the of the nation as a whole, right? Yeah. Um, if Bernie's doing great, but he's doing great in all white states, 
um, or just homogenous states, then that's not really a true representation of the country as a whole. So I think it's interesting to look at these more diverse states like the Carolinas, like New York, and yeah. see you know what's going to happen um, and who's going to vote how. You know what's really been bothering me? We don't have to stick on this at all. But like some of these Bernie supporters are really patronizing. I swear, I'll go on Twitter and it's like Bernie supporters are like black people. Bernie Sanders died on the cross for your sins. But you know, Why aren't you voting for him? But Hillary supporters are just as patronizing. And I think that it's there's this weird rift on the left of, of sort of these Bernie bros who are bullying people. Yes. And they feel, you know, and a lot of people in their support, which is very ironic that they are progressives or consider themselves to be progressives. I certainly don't consider them to be. Yeah. Um, come out with this really sexist, um, anti-feminist. Yeah rhetoric against Hillary, which is unbelievable. But at the same time, I've heard a lot of Hillary supporters say, oh, it's cute that you like Sanders, but Hillary's, you know, like to quote her herself, Hillary's a progressive that gets things done. Yeah. And that's to say, oh, it's cute that you have these ideals for the country, but we're realistic about what's going to happen. That's and so, so we're going to give up. It's offensive on both sides. I, I see a lot of really nasty stuff coming from Hillary supporters and Bernie supporters. Especially at the Super Tuesday. Like I had some people in my mentions like Bernie Sanders marched with King. You're so ungrateful. Like what? Yeah. Well, P- Bernie supporters were coming after John Lewis because he supported Hillary and saying that he was a phony and that his years of advocating for civil rights were illegitimate because he threw his backing behind Hillary. That is insane to me. And that is so disrespectful to him. And Ooh. that's the kind of language we're seeing coming out of. But both sides, I think, are just as guilty of it. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because we do have a caller on the line. One of my favorite callers, Miss Deborah. Let your voice be heard. Hi, I didn't like what they said to John Lewis either, but you know what? John Lewis is an old man, and if he can't speak up for himself, let him rip. Um, number one, I don't think that Hillary is doing that well because she's worried. You know, like when she worked, when she worked with, when she ran against Obama, it was like Ali and Frazier. I mean, she gave as good as she got. It was a good. I mean, it was really great. You know what I mean? Now she's kind of like, I don't know. She's she's running, but it's it's not. She's not really there. I think that once she finds out what's going to go down with the FBI and the tapes and all that kind of stuff, I think maybe she'll come back to life again. But if every time you turn on the radio, you hear stuff like you know, like, well, who knows? Maybe she'll be thrown in jail and blah blah blah. Not that she thinks she's going to be thrown in jail, but she knows that the possibility of her being president may not be what it was um, seven years ago. So that's possible. Thank you very much for that comment, Ms. Deborah. I would like to mention that the 2008 election, the reason it was that int- I think the reason it was that intense and it was that tough was because it was it was personal. Hillary Clinton really took President um, Obama, or Senator Obama at the time, under her wing as a mentee, so she took it when he ran for office as a personal slap in the face. That beef was real. Right. With Bernie Sanders, I just don't think she takes him very serious still. A lot of people don't, and I just want to say that for people who are calling for Bernie Sanders to step down, I feel like he's doing the same thing that Clinton did back in 2008. Even though Obama was racking up more delegate wins with each vote, Clinton still had the support and the donors, and she still fought to the death. I would disagree because, um, and, and I want to make sure we get a listen here in a second too, but I would disagree because I think Obama was, he was beating the crap out of her. Well, that sounds really inappropriate. He was really doing, he was, they were trouncing the campaign and it was to a point where everyone knew it was over and the only reason things were still happening was because she would not leave. Her campaign had run out of money at, at one point and she was lending the campaign money 
and she just would not drop out. It was just a case where it was almost like a scorched earth strategy. So I would disagree with that. But I want to get Alyssa back into the conversation. Alyssa, what are, the, what are your thoughts on some of the things we're talking about? Yeah, be- so, I mean, as for 2008, I think that she started off really strong. I was reading an interesting article the other day that was all about how these black women in the South were all geared up to vote for Hillary back in 2007, and then Obama got in the race, and they were like, no, we got to vote for the first black president. And it really changed the dynamic. I mean, and yes, obviously, it was like the first woman president or the first black president, but there was a certain uh, difference in, you know, she was still this white woman from, you know, New York, you know, whereas he kind of was, you know, somebody who did not grow up in the privilege that she kind of had. Um, So I think that the dynamic was different because you had a lot of different voters changing their mind about who they were going to vote for um, and going to Obama because they saw it as a historical election. But I think the most important point about the whole Bernie-Hillary thing that's going on right now is, well, it's twofold. One, there are a lot of people that are not Democrats that registered to vote Democrat because Bernie became a Democrat. And so you're seeing a lot of people on the left that aren't actually card-carrying Democrats. And some of them are the ones that are yelling the loudest. Um, about, and, and, you know, you can't really count them in when you're talking about how there's going to be turnout later on in November because they, uh, after they vote in the primary, they change their registration back to being independent. So you have to really look at how many people change their party affiliation and, and have to keep in the back of your mind that Bernie joined the establishment when he decided to run on the Democratic ticket. And so some of his people that he brought with him are not actually Democrats and are not going to vote for any Democrat because they were never Democrats to begin with. On the flip side of that, there's a lot of Democrats who have jumped on the Bernie chain, and myself included. I really like Bernie. I probably am going to vote for him in the, in the primary. Um, but at the same time, I realized that Whoever's the nominee in November, that's who I'm going to be going out and voting for, because at the end of the day, preventing Trump or Cruz from becoming the president, to me, is way more important than staying home or writing in my candidate if my candidate does not get elected. So I do have some concern on the left that we are watching the GOP essentially go up in flames. We don't need to follow them down that pathway. We need to figure out how to work together and say, okay, you know what, if it's Hillary, I may not like her, but I'm going to go out and vote for her in November because I'd rather see her than see President Trump or President Cruz, and vice versa. If it's Bernie, the Hillary people, I think they'll get on board. But I do have some concern about Democrats that have gotten on the Bernie chain and forgot that they're not independents and that we're counting on their vote. Right. I I agree. I mean, I think that the threat of the left not turning out to vote um, if Cruz is the nominee is much greater than if it's Trump. I think that I've heard and I agree with you, Alyssa. I've heard a lot of Bernie supporters saying, well, if Bernie doesn't get the nomination, um, I'm not getting out to the polls. And listen, that is your right to to not vote if you don't like any candidate. Right. But I do think that um, what I what I foresee happening is if Trump gets the nomination for the general election, that a lot of people that maybe would have stayed home, whether in protest because their candidate didn't win or because they just normally wouldn't go out and vote, um, will get themselves to the polls because they see it as an imminent threat. I I agree. I think that if Trump does get the nomination, he is going to move people on the left and the right to come out in droves. One thing that I'll say I'm worried about on the opposite spectrum is a lot of because Bernie does lack that name recognition um, and and Hillary um, just, you know, she's she's more established in that sense. I'm not sure people would go out to vote for Bernie Sanders like traditional old Democrats because they're just not as for 
familiar with him. Like to this day, when you ask, you know, general uh, citizens who's running the election, they'll say Trump and Hillary. They'll have problems naming any other candidate. I mean, that's the space that we're in right now. What really worries me, I want to go back to what Alyssa was talking about and what you mentioned as well, Jackie, in relation to Bernie Sanders supporters not voting if he loses the primary. So you're telling me that if we if we have a, a Trump or a Cruz, you're not going to vote? I've gone back and forth on this, too. I won't lie. Like, I've asked myself, like, is it wrong? But if we're facing a President Cruz or a President Trump, you're really going to sit on your laws and not vote, Jackie? Look, I, I agree with you. Like, it's not something I agree with. I do think it's your right to not vote, right? Yeah. Like, it is your right to not vote. Um, but I don't necessarily agree that, especially now with stakes this high, that should be the choice that you're making. It is your right, but it's not the choice that I would make. Um, and, you know, if, if the candidate that I'm supporting doesn't get the nomination... I know that I will still go and vote. Of course. I think that, you know, there was back in 2008 and and 2012, we had that vote or die campaign. I don't think that there's as many campaigns really motivating. Wow, 2004. That was right, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I don't feel that same momentum. I mean, you should be voting regardless. This is a, a privilege and a right that people died for. We have to make our voices heard. I think there's no excuses to not get to the polls. That's a really good point. I think that's the way I want to close it out. No matter who you're voting for, no matter who you're passionate about, listen, guys, I'm not going to give you that whole spiel about people went and they died and they got hit over the head with hammers and attacked by cops and you should vote for that reason. No, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give you a very frank and adult reason of why you should vote because voting matters because voting actually affects your life whether you think it does or not. And if you think that sitting at home and not voting at all because you're too good for that or because nothing ever changes is is going to accomplish something, then you're probably right, but it won't accomplish things in the way that you think it will. It might send a message to the establishment. But the bigger message it'll send is that whoever wins office doesn't have to listen to what you want or care about what you say because they can kind of push their agenda forward because they know you are not going to do a thing. Go to any city council person, state senate, assembly member, alderman's office and complain about something. The first question they'll ask you is if you vote. And if you say yes, you have their attention. And if you say no, watch how fast they'll walk away. Your vote has power. So do you, but only if you use it. So, guys, on that, we do have to go on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be the news roundup, and we will be talking about, among other things, Donald Trump's penis size. It's really (laughs) weird, guys. It's really, really weird. Dab daddy.